cover stories b-sides and today we've got a special treat one of my favorite people to talk about like pop culture in general oh. mr brent carroll hey man thanks for having me back oh uh, thank i'm you. a special treat that's really nice yeah no i i think you're one of my favorite people to talk on twitter you're one of my favorite people to just i love just listen to your podcast director showdown uh i'm glad you're back we're going to be talking about cheryl crow's cover of uh led zeppelin's jamaica not dire maker but jamaica I get, boy, that's really going to throw me off to like start <laughs> calling it because I've always called it just like what it looks like, like Dire Maker. But like, yeah, I guess we should just call it Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, that's the way it's supposed to be pronounced. And this is like a Babel O'Reilly Teenage Wasteland situation in that no one knows. But I think this is a lot less known because hearing I was listening to a podcast where they talked to Eddie Kramer, who was an engineer for the song. Mm-hmm. And the guy that was hosting it was like a music buff, and he's like, "Oh, let's talk about Dire Maker." And the guy Eddie Kramer was like, "No, no, no, you, you're all wrong, you're all right." Like <laughs> horrible British accent. Uh, he <laughs> called him a twit for calling it wrong. So <laughs> to avoid being called twits, uh, Jamaica is the correct pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I love this song for sure. So yeah, why why this cover? Why did you want to talk about this song? Well, uh, when you were when we were talking about you know me coming back and stuff. Um, I first kind of, uh, I don't know how I got on Led Zeppelin, but I, um, I somehow like went down this kind of like rabbit hole on Spotify of listening to, uh, Led Zeppelin covers. And they're just like huge playlists of all these bands that you wouldn't really necessarily expect. There's like a 311 cover of this exact (laughs) song. Uh, that's odd. Um, there's like Godsmack does a weird cover. That's nuts. Uh, there's all sorts (laughs) of weird stuff, but, uh, no, yeah, and then when I found this one, I was like, "Oh hell yeah, this is such a this is such a good cover of a song that um, is like one of inexplicably like one of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs for some reason. Like it's just one of those songs that um, I just kind of like listen to to like get in the good mood. Um, and yeah, I guess that's why I picked it. And I think her cover is really solid and it's a lot of fun and kind of fits her vibe a lot for sure yeah yeah i I think that she's interesting in general just because of the era that she she's got really big in the 90s and you know she's she considers she's even considers herself like a legacy band quote unquote she's been doing this for so long it's never really taken a break but when people go to see her no matter what age they are they're going to want to listen to like her 90s hits and it's just interesting that like she comes from like a, a classic rock background and you know she's a guitar player and she went to school for like piano composition like it's just so nuts yeah. that like all this comes into like what she puts out and it she has a very pop sound but it's also you could hear the influences pretty well yeah definitely that's what um <clears throat> like I'll be honest I I haven't listened to a ton of Cheryl Crow but I was like jamming um a lot of her stuff today and that's one of the things that I kind of picked up on is like, it's very fun and very kind of like, uh, what's the, I don't know, just kind of like summary and like yeah. good vibes and stuff. But it's like, there's a lot of like complicated musical stuff going on. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It's, it, it, I think it's, it's something that's a little bit underrated about her and that she can kind of make that melodic and, and have these hooks and hits mm-hmm. and, you know, it can be kind of taken for granted in, in that sense. It's almost, uh, some of her stuff is like weirdly spoken word almost, where she has like these long conversational kind of like uh, verses in her songs. Like, uh, Jesus, like the the big one, I mean, her like biggest song, uh, All I Want to Do is is definitely like that, which is off the same album that this song kind of eventually gets put onto. Um, but the, yeah, the relationship between like, I guess, Jamaica and that album, which is, uh, Jesus, what's the album called? Um 
Tuesday Night Music Club. Uh, is like it wasn't even on there originally. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was reading that. So she did this for a, a Led Zeppelin tribute album called Eponicum. I can't remember exactly. I think I wrote it. Um, but uh, they the uh, what I was reading is that apparently the record company liked it so much that they wanted to put out a single, and I think that's how she got it onto her album. Yeah. Because it was, uh, what was it, Atlantic? Enco- Enco- Enconium. Enconium. There yeah. you go. <laughs> so like a Led Zeppelin tribute album with like a lot of, God, like who's on this thing? Um, Hootie and the Blowfish, <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots, Duran Duran, just like big helmet. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> Hel- wild. Helmet actually. does custard pie, which is not a song I'm super familiar with, actually. That's um, so weird to think. I, I yeah. forget Helmet had like a moment in the 90s, like... <laughs> Uh, they've kind of reached cult status, and uh, for me at least. What songs has Helmet done again? I can't name one. <laughs> uh, Jesus, we yeah, t- but it's like, let's see here. Um, I don't want to drag it down by like scanning like Helmet's discography, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> they were just a total '90s, like early '90s thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it, it's. I mean, for one thing, I mean, Led Zeppelin is definitely like one of those cogs in rock and roll history that everyone has heard or specifically been influenced by, um, which is interesting because you can't talk about Led Zeppelin without talking about thievery of certain sounds or sure, yeah. melodies. And this song is one of them, actually. Apparently, there's a song by uh, this reggae artist. Um, oh, what was his name? It was... Um, uh, so, so I should start from the beginning. It, the song itself was written kind of as a jam. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bonham was just kind of messing around. He did this kind of upbeat, mm-hmm. and then they started playing. And this is one of the few songs by Led Zeppelin, a few singles by Led Zeppelin, that has credits all four of them as songwriters. Okay, yeah. And uh, in, in doing, in kind of doing this jam session, they uh, Robert Plant was kind of imitating this reggae sound uh, a little bit too well because um, <laughs> this one song, uh, it's called, uh, oh, my gosh, where is it? Um uh, so so he said Jimmy Page says that this was um, kind of a reference to Poor Little Fool by Benny King um, they were kind of doing like not a satire but kind of, not an homage either but just kind of like uh, yeah. a reference to that the reggae sound mm-hmm. um, oh my gosh I wrote this down and I specifically for this moment I can't find it now B.B. Um, Seaton it's called Forgive Them Lord by B.B. Seaton and if you okay, listen cool. to it the vocal melody is Almost exactly the same. Oh, Robert! <laughs> fucking Ro- of course, of course, it's Robert who fucking did it. Uh, that's that's interesting for sure. I yeah, I mean they're one of those bands that uh, definitely is influenced by a ton of stuff. Like Bonham was like huge into like James Brown and like funk and uh, jazz. Obviously, like he's a fucking incredible drummer, but. Um, yeah, I think that's part of their magic is like Bonham and Page just take their influences from all of these places and uh, spin them into kind of like a new thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, have, have you heard The Crunge? It's also on Houses of the Holy. That's like a straight up James Brown song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's so fucking weird how uh, this th- that album specifically, like Houses of the Holy, has like these weird homages to like other kind of like genres um that honestly kind of rip but it's like are they kind of like <laughs> like playing a little close to uh yeah. specific artists yeah it's so hard to I, I guess especially for that time because i mean it wasn't as well known so this bbc and song was recorded in 1970 
uh, Jamaica was recorded and released in 73. It peaked at number 20 in the U.S. in 73. Mm. And someone, there was this, like, dance hall DJ that was playing it. It was, like, he's playing uh, the B.B. Seaton song. And some guy came up and was like, oh, my God, that's that's Zeppelin. Like, this guy's like, he does this. And he's like, well, this was before that song. Yeah. Never came, never realized it. And uh, I wouldn't have known about that unless I was listening. I found this podcast that talked about it. When I Google it, there's literally one article talking about it. But when you listen to it, it's uncanny. Wow. Damn, it, I definitely got to jam that then. And that's that's interesting. It's so nuts. And it's funny because they that, that DJ was talking in that article. He was talking to BBC recently, like maybe about 10 years ago or so, uh, about the song and asked if, you know, when it was recorded. And he asked uh, you know, if he had heard the Led Zeppelin song. And he said, no, he had it. He was kind of wasn't on his radar. And uh, this DJ was like, you know, it's close. It's very close. And I... Normally, I would just kind of dismiss it as, like, coincidence. But considering that Zeppelin's history, you know, it's kind of hard not to, like, think that he probably did steal that little melody. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely possible for sure. That's probably likely, I would say. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I picked this song because it, it is, like, one of my favorites. And it's such a good kind of, like, chill <laughs> song that I put on when I'm, like, maybe not in the best mood. And it always kind of cheers me up. But, uh, yeah, and also I just wanted to pick a Led Zeppelin song because they're, like, a hugely formative uh, band for me. But, like, what's your – I mean, yeah, what, what? how do you feel about Zeppelin? I, I've always liked Zeppelin. I, I reached a point – the way people feel about the Beatles sometimes where, like, they just get – they know someone who's really into the Beatles and it makes them think that they don't like the Beatles. I felt that way off and on throughout my uh, – throughout my youth i should say yeah. I, I definitely appreciate zeppelin and, and and what they do and and there are it's undeniable when you hear the music like like you said with this song it's like a nicotine high like this his robert plant's voice is is kind of the feature on here you know most songs jimmy page's guitar is mm -hmm. but just listening to him sing and and, and it, it's almost like i don't want to say orgasmic but it's very euphoric you know it's orgasmic is such a good fucking <laughs> word for what he does dude because i yeah. was i was on <laughs> Yeah, when I was listening to it today, I was like, how else do you describe his singing on most of their songs other than, like, him kind of having orgasms, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the recording booth? Uh, it's just, like, so, like, weirdly sexual all the time, it, it feels like. But, uh, yeah, I definitely feel that way, too, about <laughs> about his voice. And it's uh, funny, yeah. we, we talked about uh, Karen O and Atticus uh, Ross, um, and I almost mm. said Atticus Finch. Uh, and uh, and and Trent Reznor's cover of uh, Immigrant Song and Karen Oak really captures that as well. It's her her voice, and you could tell she's influenced by by Plant and just the, the yeah. way she sings. It's very like you know climaxy <laughs> for lack yeah. of better word. That one that I love that cover because it feels like the the Cheryl Crow cover is is really good, but it's definitely you know staying very close. I yeah. think to the original song. Uh, that cover I I just love so much because it it feels different like there's a different energy to it but karen o is just like going to, like going off yeah on that song it's so good yeah it's and it's something that's interesting too i i've realized i love hearing women sing led zeppelin songs there's just something about yeah. robert plant's uh melodies that i, I don't want to say sounds better when women do it but it just sounds i guess he has kind of a, he's a very high range so mm -hmm. it, that helps but i've heard like lady gaga like impromptu do a whole lot of love like on Howard Stern yeah and it's amazing yeah I mean I think he does have kind of like you could probably say he has like a feminine 
voice, you know, um, and how he sings. And I, I actually heard speaking of Gaga, I found a cover of Jamaica that she did live oh, in wow. 2006. Um, and she was literally just on like a small stage, um, just like in normal clothes. She, it was like a small show and she just had like some little band with her. She had like a little keyboard in front of her and she like, she covered the song and it was also a great cover, um, that I don't think she ever recorded. Um, but yeah, her voice also like also fits this song incredibly well. I think she was in a Led Zeppelin cover band before. Oh, was that? Oh, it, that might so, be from that. Yeah, that might have been the bit. Well, if so, I'm gonna look up like their whole set because I'm so curious to see. Uh, yeah, her sing more Led Zeppelin songs. That'd be fun to just hear like a whole record of that. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, drop screw Tony Bennett. Let's get uh, fucking. <laughs> let's get uh some Zeppelin covers. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, uh, you know, when, when it comes to, going back to kind of bring it to Cheryl Crow again, Cheryl Crow again, um, she did an Unplugged version of this, too, for MTV Unplugged, and she's actually, like, playing accordion out there, and it's just, uh, I think it's just a testament to, like, all the layers you can put in a Zeppelin song, mm-hmm. you know, and that, like, there there are so many things that, there, there's obviously the core of it, and obviously the voice, is, the singing is the core, but there's so many like little intricacies about each of their songs that, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you know, being the core of like progressive influence and then a lot of progressive metal bands later, there's going to be multiple layers. But I, it just blew my mind as she was playing accordion to this and it fit well to where if I didn't watch it, I would have never known there was accordion in the song. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what I love about Led Zeppelin songs, too, is that they're incredibly dense and creative and leave a lot of kind of room to experiment around with, I mean, yeah, the Carano kind of, uh, you know, Reznor, uh, cover is like a great example of it. Like you can, you can have so much fun with a Led Zeppelin cover, I think. Yeah, for sure. And there's so much room for interpretation too. I mean, essentially they started out as this blues cover band essentially, you know, and, and then they just gone from, went from there and, and everything that Jimmy Page did with the guitar, you know, it has really, had its its influence on everybody today yeah for sure i mean they uh yeah like i said they're they were a hugely formative band for me where like i forget when in the kind of timeline if it was before or after i started playing guitar probably before but i heard i had never heard stairway to heaven and then i was on like a long drive with my friend and his dad for some reason and like it came on the radio and I was like, I think this is that Stairway to Heaven song. Like he's saying the, the the lyrics and just the way that that song escalated and becomes this like incredibly epic thing by the end of it. Uh, it just like fucking blew my mind. And um, I think that was one of the reasons that I like straight up started playing guitar because I was like, oh, you can do insane shit with music. Like, it, and I had like, not listen to too much rock at the time. I probably was like jamming a lot of like breaking Benjamin <laughs> and Godsmack and shit like that. But they were one of those bands where it just kind of like opens up what you can do with music and guitar and stuff like that. Um, yeah. They were just like a huge deal. Like, I mean like they were with, like, I think so many people. Yeah. I always, I always think back to like discovering music, especially as you know, as a teenager or even before that. And there are certain bands that are essentially like, you need they're a key to unlock everything else mm. and there are certain things that were if you try to listen to what's after that without having the key it just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. and led zeppelin is one of those with a very big key or a key for like multiple doors yeah you know it, it just basically bazookas that whole opening to where like oh there's like seven doors behind this and mm-hmm. this opens up all of them for sure yeah and i i think i think the beatles are that band to 
more people than Led Zeppelin is. But uh, yeah, I think I think that they are, and I think that the, there's always stuff like that. I think in in all art, whether it's like movies, you know, you see a certain movie that opens a door, uh, music, certain art, just all like all art. There's always that stuff that hits you when usually you're like an adolescent, where it's just like, oh fuck, that's possible. And like we've talked about like the movies that have done that for us, like the the wet hot American summers yeah. <laughs> of, of the world and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, Led Zeppelin was one of those. And then like the more I listened to kind of all their albums, because after I heard that song, I think I was like, oh, I need to like get their CDs. Um, I was just like, oh, God, their sound is so eclectic. I mean, to the point where like, yeah, on Houses of the Holy, you have this song that's a reggae song and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, Crunch, which is just a straight up funk song. Um, they're like, they were always experimenting, I think. Yeah, and you know it's so funny you said it because uh, Zach was showed me a tool cover of what what song was that? No quarter. Oh, nice. And like songs like no quarter. Like when I heard it, um, and I heard the original version, the Zeppelin version, I was like, this sounds like a tool song. <laughs> like it just it like <laughs> yeah. I can't unhear that. And then you hear like Days and Confused. Remember the first time I heard Days and Confused, I had no idea it was Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. Like, everything about that song is just so different. I'm just, like, when I think of Led Zeppelin, I think of, like, Black Dog, Whole lot of Love, like, rock and roll, you know? And, like, it's just so wild that they had this kind of range. Definitely, yeah. I think, uh, oh, man, yeah, Days Confused is probably my favorite song by them. Oh, I yeah? just think it's, like, the best balance of, of like, everything that they're great at. Like, the escalation throughout the song is incredible, and, like, the, um, like, Jimmy Page's guitar playing in that song. But, uh, yeah, their range is just absolutely nuts. Like, I think any band, I mean, if any band wanted to cover a Led Zeppelin song, I'd be down to hear it. Like, even even 311 did something <laughs> vaguely interesting with with uh, with Jamaica. Aren't they like a, a reggae band? 311? Uh, yeah, they're white reggae. <laughs> white reggae, I guess. <laughs> it's so funny you say that because you bring them up because uh, one of the podcasts I listened to in preparation for this episode was this guy, and he's in the band. I don't remember the name of the band, but it's called, the podcast is called I Don't Like Reggae, I Love It. And it's just <laughs> this guy talking about reggae's influence on pop culture. And he talks about, he has this term called cod reggae, which is a British term, which is quote unquote fake reggae. And he doesn't mean it as like an insult, especially to this song, but rather just like a, it's it's not a full, it's not necessarily an appropriation of reggae, but there is a, a sense of like, a a, uh, a capitalization on the reggae sound for sure but it obviously has other influences and it goes from there and he talks about this song in, in the sense that like he grew he, he was a teenager in the 70s and he was really into reggae and like really into disco he never really listened to led zeppelin mm-hmm. and hearing this song kind of like changed his perception on on led zeppelin and just a testament to how you know good led zeppelin's influence was at that time especially yeah definitely i think uh that's interesting, like the way that um, trends travel and like through through time and places and stuff. Like the uh, I watched, I didn't even finish it yet, but uh, Ken Burns Jazz. Oh yeah, and that that really I think highlights just how much that that is much more kind of appropriation there uh, in that era. But just the way that jazz kind of like inserted itself into all of these different states and, and types of music and is essentially like the origin of all rock and roll and things like that um it's just really cool to see how it travels and evolves and things like that yeah i, I think that you know with, with jazz jazz is essentially like the first like american music um and it, it, it's funny because i always forget that like bands like led zeppelin are british because it's so becomes so ingrained in american culture that like 
I have to think about it for a second. Like, oh yeah, like these these guys aren't from here. I know, right? Like, uh, God, Beatles are also British. Like, what are what are big '60s, '70s? I guess Rolling Stones are American. They're British. Jesus Christ, they are. <laughs> Holy shit! How did I not? How did I fuck that? It up? makes of you, but it British. makes you have to like, you have to second guess it. You know, I mean, because yeah. Keith Richards, I mean, uh, Mick Jagger, especially, are just like they're ingrained in American culture. I mean, Jimi yeah. Hendrix is from Washington, but he got big in England for sure. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. It, it like there's just so and it's so funny because I, I remember I took this rock and roll history class and I want to say it was Robert Plant. It might have been um, the guy from the Who, but I can't remember his name right now. Um, but uh, they, when Nirvana came out, mm-hmm. they said, oh, it's great that America finally has their own, like, root of punk rock. And my <laughs> professor at the time was like, I like Led Zeppelin, or it might have been The Who, whatever. He's like, but that is the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard because the 70s scene, like, like 70s, like, the, the CBGBs, that was the root of punk rock. and. Yeah. You can talk about the Sex Pistols all you want, but they were trying to imitate what was going on at CBGBs. Yeah. So is this so funny to, to like see how everything is kind of melted together? Definitely. I, I just had to search it because I don't want to leave that fuck up be like my... <laughs> I can't believe it said they were a fucking American band. Uh, Aerosmith, The Doors, Pink Floyd. We had some. Yeah. We had some good bands. I mean, shit. It's, yeah, that started in the 60s. Wow, Aerosmith started in the 60s? Uh, yeah, that's what it says here. Oh, wow. Oh, since 1970. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And, and it's funny because I guess that correlation, I forget that Jim Morrison is American, too. Like, there's just such yeah. a weird meld between, I mean, Brit- the British invasion and, and, and British rock. And in that era, it's just hard to, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to remember it right away. Yeah, for sure. I, um, God, yeah, I. Because, yeah, they just get so ingrained in, like, American culture that you don't even realize the difference anymore. For sure. You know, uh, when it comes to to Zeppelin, were you ever, I mean, obviously we are experiencing this decades after they were, you know, first coming out. Did you ever experience a Who versus Zeppelin rivalry? Did you ever feel, like, more akin to Zeppelin? No, that's interesting, though. I honestly haven't listened to that much Who. It's, uh, I really haven't, yeah. It's an interesting dynamic because I, I talked to my dad about it. My dad's a big Zeppelin fan, and it's funny because Zeppelin was for the nerds. Like, it makes mm. sense. All the D&D guys. That w- makes a lot of sense. I mean, all their album covers look like <laughs> fucking dorky, like Tolkien novels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and The Who was for the jocks. And my dad mm. in high school was kind of, like, in between. But he <laughs> was a Zeppelin guy, and he, like, appreciates The Who and everything. But he was always Team Zeppelin. Yeah, and that rivalry is just super interesting. I mean, that's how Zeppelin, you know, that's how Zeppelin got their name, right? Mm. So Keith Moon from the Who was talking to the guys from Zeppelin and said something along the lines of like, "Oh, you guys will be big." Um, what did he say? It was something about like, "You guys will be big when there's a Led Zeppelin," and that's how like they got their name. <laughs> it's that's so wild. Great. That's such a great origin story for their name, um, man. Yeah, it's interesting that your dad was like hugely into. Led Zeppelin. I I uh, I don't know. I grew up with parents that listened to like Christian music, like Christian radio, uh, country music, and like some oldies stuff. So it was very much like I was primed to like get hit hard with like good rock music at a certain age. <laughs> where like uh, I still remember my friend Skyler gave me um, Metallica's Black album, and that just like hit me like a fucking tidal wave. Where I was just like holy shit, this is the only music I ever want to listen to ever again in my life. Uh, and like Led Zeppelin was a, a 
kind of same thing where I was just like, ah, oh, man, music is so much better than uh, Christian radio and country <laughs> music. And I still don't like, like that type of music, I think, for that reason that it's, I don't know. Yeah. That's, you know, that's one of my biggest fears. Like, you're a dad. I, I, I'm not a dad at this point in time. Uh, but one of my biggest fears about having kids, and, and I guess you can comment on this, is wanting them to, like, listen to certain things, but not wanting to push it so hard to where they hate it. Do you, I mean, your kid's yeah. still young, but like, have you experienced any of that? Man, I, I definitely think about this a lot. And I think I've, I've like heard enough stories to, I think I know what the approach has to be. And maybe this is like a life hack or whatever you want to fucking <laughs> call it. Uh, I feel like the approach has to be, they kind of have to be like ingrained in a thing. They have to be like raised around a thing and not having that thing pushed on them. So I think like, cause like all the stories I've heard of like people who, not that I want Atticus to grow up to my son to grow up to be uh, you know, a musician or director or whatever. It'd be cool, but he can do whatever he wants. But um, you hear like the people, like those people talk about growing up and they were just like, no, like mute, like records, like they were just always around, like instruments were always just around or like movies were always around. And my parents just watched them a lot and stuff. Um, I think, I feel like that's the secret. I definitely don't want to like, uh, I don't know, like, um, get like religious about Led Zeppelin or like uh, a certain type of music and like push that on him to where he's like, you get super into, you get super into Christian radio or like, <laughs> that's fucking, so like yeah, that's, that would be the most bizarre shit in the world. Uh, but yeah, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. I don't care. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's that also gets into the weird thing of like, do we want our kids to be exactly like us? Like, is that, even what's best, I don't think it is probably, but yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's my view on it, I guess. No, I think that's a good way to look at it. I was listening to to Mark McGrath talk about his kids are teenagers now, and he tried- the singer from- Yeah, oh, Sugar Ray. Okay. Oh, by the way, if you ever, he, he's on the Tully podcast. Just look up Tully podcast. He's on there pretty frequently. He's one of the, like, Mark McGrath is one of the most insightful people you ever, like, <laughs> listen to about music. He's, like, That's cool. an encyclopedia of music. Him and, like, the guy from Everclear, Art Alexakis, are, like, rock and roll Jeopardy, like, kings. Like, yeah. they rule when they're on there. But just listening to him, he knows about- everything he comes from like a punk background but he loves hair metal and he like knows about like he almost did a jog a, a song with diane warren you know like Jesus. it's just so wild he's so very self-aware too he knows that he's not 90s sugar ray like he knows yeah. that he's like yeah we play state fairs like we're not a big deal um but <laughs> i was cool. listening to him on the Tully podcast and he was talking about how his he was on the uh the, the mass singer recently oh as a was he like a paint was I, he one of the animals I think he was or? a shark or a whale. Okay. That is one of the wild. Can we can we talk about <laughs> yeah, just yeah. I don't want to I don't want to like break up the point that you were you're making. Maybe you could finish. Okay, yeah, if so, you finish so that he first. was just saying that he couldn't tell anybody and his kid he's doing like a lot of like hair metal stuff and yeah. his kids are into it but he he doesn't want to reveal cuz one he can't and two he said it was really like satisfying that like I wasn't pushing it on them and they were like, "Oh, we really like the shark guy." He's like, "Oh, that's cool." He was like, "Yeah, I can't uh, tell you that's me," but until it was actually nice. revealed. So he really loved the fact that through that he was actually able to influence that way they could listen to music together. And he, he seemed to have the same kind of, uh, you know, concept that you're talking about that mm. he doesn't want them to be exactly like him, but he likes to have things to share with him, you know? Yeah. I think that's the, that's kind of the ultimate goal of it, right? Like yeah. it, like it, it's, it'd just be awesome to have stuff super in common with your kids. I think like, uh, um, you know, like games or movies or whatever. Like, I, I think that's kind of the ultimate goal. 
I bet. Yeah. I, who was? I think it was Terry Crews was talking about how oh, he, yeah. he noticed his son was really into computers and mm-hmm. he didn't know anything about computers and he decided like he looked up like oh people can build their own computer so him and his son built their own PC together and yeah I was kind of following that that saga on Reddit when it was kind of happening oh, yeah. he was he was literally like going to um like the piece like the PC specific like real nerdy kind of subreddits to like get ideas and get like you know, pick people's brains and stuff and it was really crazy for a while because everybody was like oh yeah terry checked in on like friday and he was like getting new parts for um and then just like seeing how that ended where like yeah him and his son were like gaming yeah that's like the that's like the goal and like it'll probably with my kid it'll probably be like swimming or like it'll probably be something i can't even expect and it's just like yeah we'll like get into that together i guess I or maybe he'll get super into mass singer <laughs> and then that that might be the Great toughest one for <laughs> Who knows, man? That is, yeah, that show, I that is just the wildest thing to ever exist. And the fact that it's, like, a huge hit, I don't, I don't know. Are you a big fan of it, or I don't want to, like, shit on it? <laughs> Actually, I'm, like, a huge fan. No, uh, I, I I enjoy it for what it is, you know? It's yeah. it's one of those things that, I mean, it's 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 from a, Je- a Japanese show, so that, that's pretty clear. That makes so much, that automatically... <laughs> That automatically it raises is up like, the level. <laughs> yeah, I'm like neurons are firing in my brain now. That makes so much sense. Yeah. So I mean, it's one of those things that when it premiered, I thought like, oh, that that sounds fun. I never thought I'd watch it, but I yeah. got kind of captivated. It's one of those oh, things. Cool. It's like when you get stuck and like home from school when you're like sick and Judge Judy's on. And you don't yeah. care for Judge Judy, but you end up watching six episodes. Yeah, man, I, that was that was uh, Andy Griffith. Oh me. yeah, like my grandma would just like Price is Right, and then Andy Griffith for the rest of the day during summers when I was like ten, and I just got like fucking totally sucked into that goddamn show. I think so, that's how yeah. I got into Sanford and Son. Actually, that same exact. That, yeah, that's the. I feel like that's the only way. That's the only route for somebody in our generation to get into Sanford and Son. <laughs> yeah. Is like if if your grandma's like watching it, but no, that's that's interesting about. Um, Mass Singer, because I, I, my, my only, my biggest issue with it is just like it's a wild premise for a show, <laughs> but uh, I just kind of like, yeah, I feel like maybe they need bigger stars, like they gotta kind of work. I don't know, because it's every time I like see the 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 uh, judges like guessing like, is it Bruce Willis? I think it's gonna be <laughs> Bruce Willis, and somebody else is like, I think it's Ryan Reynolds, and then it's like Judge Reinhold or somebody. It's like it's like. I don't know. I just, I feel like there's like a disconnect between like what the judges are guessing and like who the ultimate, not to shit on Judge Reinhold or like <laughs> the guests they're getting. Uh, I don't want this to be like my big, like anti uh, fucking <laughs> mass singer platform episode. But uh, yeah, I just feel, I, I'd like to see them like get some, maybe they do have wild guests. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Enough. I think it's one of those things that I, the more popular it's gotten, especially with like younger generation, I feel like more celebrities who are parents are probably going to be more aching to do it, more, more willing to do it. Yeah. Kind of like uh dancing with the stars. John O'Hurley was like one of the like finalists from uh, what's his name from, uh, from Seinfeld was like one oh, of the shit. finalists in the first season. Yeah. And then you have like huge, like hall of fame athletes g- jumping on. You've got like, you know, uh, Jerry Rice was on Jerry that, Rice. Right? Was, uh, yeah. And it's <laughs> just so wild. And it went from that, like it went from basically like people you would see in celebrity boxing to like now, like some pretty legitimate, like, like Olympic gymnasts are on. I think Gabby Douglas is on one time, um, one season. But I, I think that with Mass Singer, that's probably where it's going to. Yeah. Uh, you see a lot of, um, for lack of a better word, like has been 
celebrities um, or, or B-list celebrities. And I think little by little, it's kind of getting, it might be to a point where we might actually get some Ryan Reynolds or yeah. Bruce Willis's. <laughs> I feel like that. Sh- I how has Ryan Reynolds not been on that show? Yeah. I just feel like that guy's just that guy's like everywhere. Uh, hey, maybe Cheryl Crow <laughs> will show up and uh, do some do some cover. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, the Mark McGrath one's interesting because it's like he was he doing like hair metal songs. Uh, he did like uh, "We're Not Gonna Take It" uh, by Twisted Sister. Okay, so I don't know what else he did. I was just, I heard one episode he was talking about he, him doing that song. See, that's interesting because it's like, uh, those are almost the most interesting to me where it's like a, a singer who like, you can tell is talented, but is going in a totally different genre on that show. Like that would be cool to to see that more of that, I guess. And that's what he was talking about too, is he talks about, he, he like talk sings. He doesn't really have a range. His range is very limited. Yeah. So he wanted to just have fun with it, you know, and, and see what he could do. I think T-Pain won the first season of Mass Singer. That brings, I think that's right. Yeah. I think that because uh, uh, people always associate with him with the vocoder and, and auto tune and, and I think his NPR Tiny Desk concert people were like oh shit like he yeah. can actually sing he's like, a he's really great. good singer yeah so I think yeah. that was a little bit uh, a validating for him to to win that as well yeah for sure that's cool but yeah I was so I was, I was talking about the Who because um you know with with the rivalry and everything and I wanted to bring this up because you on Twitter introduced me to Joe Para reads the morning church announcements uh-huh, and yeah. the one about Babo O'Reilly where he listens to the song for the first time. Yeah. And it is the most like sincere, like the sweetest like version of like someone just talking about a song that they love. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I think it's one of my favorite things on the internet. Yeah, dude, it's, it's so good. Um, I've seen a few episodes of that show now and they're all kind of that same kind of thing. Like it's all kind of like him experiencing things and being like, happy about it and like describing that um that's kind of the whole vibe of it but yeah that one is like really special um that yeah that show that episode is really special and just like it feels totally against what many other kind of comedic things are doing now yeah. I guess you know um in its sincerity like the joke is how he how excited he is about Bob O'Reilly and like he listens to it so much that you like get on board with like yeah, yeah that song is fucking incredible yeah. like I'm as excited about that song as he is now I just love like in in the beginning of it you know he calls the radio station to listen to it again and the the DJ is like like seriously you you've never heard the song before all right we'll play it again and it's yeah. just it goes from that to uh, there you're right there's no sense of irony there's no sense of like ill will you're not laughing at him you're just laughing yeah. at the experience and and it's just uh it's just that reminded me of why why like songs that i love that like i got into and that's how i felt internally yeah you know that's exactly how i felt about stairway to heaven i had the i had the it's same like experiences uh joe para where like if i had a phone on me i probably like <laughs> would have called and like 13 year old me would have been like hey play that stairway to heaven song again that shit was incredible um, yeah, it's, I think, and like he, he kind of is like, um, very like naive and kind of like feels pretty adolescent. So he kind of captures that energy. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, when, when you first listened to Stairway, did you have any like preconceived notion? I know you obviously knew of it, but did you have like, cause my first in my introduction to Stairway was Wayne's world where he's about to play it mm. and they tap on the sign and says no stairway. Um, so I always thought like, oh, like this is, this is that yeah. song. It's kind of like what you were talking about. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. I don't think, 
man, I felt very detached from like the kind of culture, pop culture around rock and roll growing up. Like I truly was so disconnected from it to the point that like I maybe, I don't know where I would have heard of Stairway to Heaven, just maybe some like uh show talking about like the best songs ever made or something like that. I'd heard of, maybe I, like my dad had listened to a little bit of rock and roll. Maybe he talked about it, but it was truly just kind of like this, like, oh, that's one of the best songs. And then when I heard it, I was like, yeah, that's one of the best songs. Like, that's <laughs> Uh, that's incredible. So yeah, I, I just, I guess I was just kind of like detached from the pop culture around rock and roll. It's always cool when, when things meet their expectations, you know, like, especially I think it's easier for when we, when we were younger because we weren't absorbing as much it, pop culturally, just, we kind of had a little bubble. Mm-hmm. So when you hear about this song and you finally hear it and you're like, Oh yeah, this is one of the greatest songs ever. It's just, yeah. it's so satisfying to like, there's no like, like, there's no irony in that. There's no, like, ill will. There's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love this song. It's great. Yeah, and it's like, I do do things ever meet expectations anymore? Like, that's is what, it, it's, Yeah, that's it's, what I'm it's saying. It's much more rare, right? I don't know if it's because we're older or it's because the generation that we live in, we can we have everything at, the like, our fingertips now sure, yeah. to where we can get overexposed. And I think that's the reason why. It, it's so funny with, with, like, Gen Z especially, like, discovering things that, were really popular in like the late nineties that we kind of just got over and now they're experiencing it for the first time. Cause we don't talk about it as a generation yeah. and they're experiencing it as if we were experiencing it back then. It's just so wild to see that kind of cycle. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, tr- I'm just try- trying to think of examples now of like, uh, times I've like gotten my, I don't know. Everything is so there's such a, yeah, I think social media plays like a huge role in it and just like the kind of general hype machine around like every, like new release or movie or piece of music or something that, uh, I don't know, like one that kind of came out from nowhere is like, uh, Olivia Rodrigo's dude. I'm obsessed with that, that album specifically yeah. two songs in there, but the whole the album first is one great. you tweeted about, right? The first song. Brutal. Yeah. Ass. Yeah. It's so good. It's so wild. That's another thing too. Like I, I haven't really done much research on her specifically other than that. She was like a Disney star. Yeah. yeah. And that song sounds like a riot girl song. It sounds like mm. something like, hole would have done in the mid 90s <laughs> or like the breeders and it's just so wild that i don't know if she was just like listening to that if she her parents got her into that her older cousins or siblings or if she doesn't even realize that it sounds like that this is just what it's like a full full circle situation where yeah. this is what i thought was cool i didn't realize people did this back then that is interesting man yeah because i'm i just feel so god i feel like such a fucking old man now <laughs> and it's like if you asked me like five ten years ago i would have been like like, yeah, I'm, like, hip to, like, new music, <laughs> movies, like, art, all this stuff. And now I just feel, like, completely dis- – like, uh, my wife, Amy, just got TikTok, like, a month ago. And I just, like, experience her <laughs> experiencing TikTok. And I'm just, like, that whole world is, is like, too much for me. Like, yeah. it's too much stimulation to me, at least. Like, it's, uh, it's a lot. I feel the exact same way. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, I can appreciate a good TikTok here and there. But I have not – signing up for it because i feel like i i i, I don't have i'm not prepared to like yeah. dive in completely definitely i feel like uh yeah because it, it's like i think back to the like vine youtube compilations that i would just like get sucked <laughs> into yeah and i i just know that that would be bad for, for my <laughs> life it's like i feel like i already have an unhealthy relationship with twitter and like being on that too much but uh yeah i feel like tiktok would be like R.I.P. Like my 
any social life, any kind of like, yeah, I'd just be on my phone too much. I think. That was the routine, man. I remember I'd get home from work and I'd lay down and just swipe through Vine. Yeah. And it was, it's funny because I, I think about like, oh, like there's a really like a pessimistic way to look at it. Think like, oh, like you're just wasting your way on Vine. But I discovered quite a few bands from Vine. I discovered people who uh, are writers for TV shows that I love now. So I, I yeah. found out about these shows and like, oh, like Demi from Vine is writing for it. Oh, cool. I'm going to check this yeah. out. And it ends up Demi being. DJ Wigbay? Yeah. That guy, yeah, that guy fucking rules. September 20, is it the Earth, Wind, and Fire song? Yeah, September, the uh, September. September 20. Uh, it's just called September. Which date. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's one those of my. are so good. Another one of my favorite things. Another like thing that's just so sincere. Mm-hmm. No irony whatsoever. He he wrote for The Good Place, too. That's right, yeah. And he was like, a, he was big on um, on uh, At Midnight. He was one of the writers for At Midnight. Yeah, he's one of the biggest, uh, I don't know if you use Letterboxd, but he's like one of the top users of Letterboxd. Like, and he writes really insightful and really fucking hilarious like reviews there. That's like one of his biggest content platforms, I think. Oh, awesome. Is, like, uh, is Letterboxd, yeah. Yeah, because I remember, I, did you ever re- do you ever listen to his, his old podcast, uh, Punch Up the Jam? Um, yeah, I have listened to a few of those. Those it, are great. Yeah, it's just super interesting, and it's, it's one of those things that is like it's it's simultaneously like entertaining, but I very I've used it for research in the past mm-hmm. for for episodes of, of our podcast here, yeah. cover stories, um, and uh, and yeah, it's just I, it's just a combination of everything that I I enjoy about pop culture, and he's he's a big part of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. came from Vine. He got he's from Texas. Got big on Vine. That's and, crazy. I mean, yeah, it's uh, I yeah, I like experiencing like uh. TikToks are on Twitter all the time, and it's. I feel like the, I'm just like the best ones maybe float up to yeah. like my Twitter feed. Yeah. And I see them there. It's like otherwise, I, I just can't get sucked into that. That's like you know, Gen Z. Like have have fun with that. Like it's <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Twitter's Twitter's definitely my main timeline of everything, and and it is a good way to. I, I've I get on Reddit every once in a while, which is where the internet begins. For 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 most of my friends at least. Yeah, true. And but Twitter, I feel it kind of weeds away most of it. I still get a lot of shit that I don't care to see, but it's it's at least most of the stuff that you do want to say will eventually get through on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. I I think like Reddit's probably my my go to for most things, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's just hard. I think with Reddit, it's I think I need to start following more specific, uh, you know, uh, subreddits mm-hmm. because um, you know, I'll search for things on there, but. When it comes to actually finding something on a daily basis, like it's it's hard for me to go on there because like I'm on Twitter all the time. Yeah, you got to get specific with those yeah. those subreddits, I think. And after you like customize that enough, then it's just like, yeah, this is all like the coolest stuff. And then you know some things get a little old, and you're like, I'm tired of seeing stuff like that, or that's getting posted too much. You like you know unsubscribe or unfollow it or whatever. But uh, yeah, Reddit's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. Uh. You know when it comes to uh bringing it circle <laughs> back to uh, Cheryl Crow's cover of Jamaica by Led Zeppelin. Um, I, I we talked about how you know she's pretty faithful to the original. Mm-hmm. What what when it comes to covers, do you prefer it that way, or do you prefer if they do a little bit something different, or does it does all dependent on the context of the artist? Uh, honestly, I think I usually prefer like drastic changes to it. Um, but what I kind of realized with the Cheryl Crow thing is the, the song Jamaica and kind of like her general vibe of like a very kind of like good vibe summary feeling in a lot of her songs. Uh, obviously she has like kind of darker, more serious songs too, but um, it just felt like such a good 
match and there's like a live studio video i don't know if you saw that from yeah. the song but they're just like all having a good time and it's just like yeah that that totally matches with i think cheryl crow and especially the album that they ended up putting it on um the tuesday i heard i already forgot the name uh but i think yeah usually i prefer covers that and i think we talked about this with when adam and i were on but just the ones that you're like oh wow this is a weird take yeah. you know like the the johnny cash hurt of the you know music covers and things like that um boy one one day we're gonna have to talk about like pop goes punk have you covered a lot of those on here <laughs> we talked with, with gus a little bit about it um, okay. we didn't really dive in too much but yeah that, that could be for a future episode we yeah because that to... was that was a big when i think about like the biggest source of cover music i heard is like those albums were weirdly big for me like the pop goes punk things uh but yeah i think I, usually i like like uh kind of weird covers and um uh, a lot of those are happening in like movie trailers now. I yeah, guess. like they're being very much used, utilized there. Hosted them by Zack Snyder, which yeah, is a uh, great transition them. to uh, <laughs> current season of Director Showdown is Zack Snyder versus Michael Bay. Um, yeah. two, I, two big uh, music, uh, music. I mean, you know, uh, or music video guys. I should say uh, they both come from music videos and things like that. We'll have to talk about that at some point. Yeah, I, you know, I I appreciate. And, we're going to talk about uh, Zack Snyder when, when I'm on your podcast oh, yeah, um, yeah. In, in great detail. But I I know he gets a lot of, of, of hate, but he's very style over substance. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate the, the music aspect, even if it is super hokey sometimes. Yeah, dude. We talked about on, um, yeah, just on Dawn of the Dead that we recorded the other day, uh, how he ends that song with um, Down With The Sickness. Like the actual... <laughs> The actual fucking Down With The Sickness by Disturbed plays over the credits of that movie. And I was just like, Zach, you fucking, you son of a bitch. Because it's also like in Army of the Dead, that movie ends with zombie. zombie. And it's like, it's, it's like he's not even doing, I, I don't think he's doing it as a joke or anything. He's just like, yeah, it's a it's about, it's zombie. That's why it's the end of the song. Right? Down With The Sickness. It's a disease. Uh, That's one of yeah. those things where like, it feels like that was filler. Like, like, hey, we'll put another song in there. And then you like. No, I think I'm just gonna go with this. Let's or it's just like keep it. Yeah, he's running late on the edit. It's like, yeah, just fucking keep it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, just yeah, push it out. I like that hokiness to an extent. You know, uh, in in Watchmen, uh, which we will talk about later. Yeah. Uh, Bob Dylan is used a lot, and I was watching a lot of stuff about the movie versus the the comic, uh, which I really love. I really love the the graphic novel, mm -hmm. uh, and there are a lot of Bob Dylan references in the comic. That's right. Yeah. So you know, I, I think that. There are things that he does that are, are very like obvious mm -hmm. to where other directors may not because it is so obvious, but then when you see it, you're like, This isn't this isn't bad. I get yeah. it. <laughs> it's like I, I definitely have issues with Zack Snyder more than more than Adam does, and we'll talk about it I'm sure on Watchmen <laughs> a little bit. But um the yeah, the needle drop stuff has never really been too big of an issue for me. I kind of always love when he when he does it. Um it's it's a lot of fun. There's not much of that in Dawn of the Dead, but like yeah, the and I guess not even his his DC movies because they're you know too dark and, and gritty and too yeah. <laughs> busy doing other weird stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean it's definitely something he loves, and I always just enjoy it. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean this is a good song, and yeah, and I think that you know it's it's funny just talking about one thing I've always wanted to talk to you guys about, both both you and Adam, was just about needle drops in general and. Some director, like Scorsese, is obviously big with music, and I mean you can't hear yeah. the coda to Layla without thinking of Goodfellas now. 
It's, it's true. Yeah. It's just been so ingrained in, in pop culture, and I think Wes Anderson's really good. I, the thing I appreciate about Wes Anderson is I love. I'm, he's one of my favorite directors, but I think that with his music choices, it's always something that is sounds familiar, but is something I've never heard before. Yeah, his uh, and I haven't even seen most Wes Anderson movies, honestly. But the ones I've seen, it's like yeah, his needle drops are specific and yeah. they're very um, almost, I guess, like Tarantino. Tarantinos are kind of pretty specific too um but not like the biggest songs you know that you would you would think of where snyder picks like some big hit that yeah he's playing to the cheap seats a little bit yeah but uh <laughs> but yeah wes anderson does like more specific ones where like yeah this is a really good song um yeah yeah i think you know uh tarantino with uh, especially with once upon a time in hollywood like i'd never listened to paul and the reveres or whatever mm-hmm. and that 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 one song is very like prominent in that movie yeah and it's one of those it's it's like hearing a music or hearing a hearing music on like an, an ipod commercial and like it's songs that sound so nostalgic but they are very like they're they're current they're contemporary and it's just so wild that there is that 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 kind of they're able to capture that and they, they they know that ahead of time that's why they're using that you know yeah i think his uh my favorite kind of song he has in that one is um and i had never heard it but out of time or is, is that what it's even called? The Rolling Stones song that like ends the movie kind of? I can't remember. Oh, I don't think it's called Out of Time. I think I fucked that up. But it's it's the one that plays over like um, all the lights coming on the strip at the end. And it's literally like uh, kind of a metaphor for like, yeah, we're running out of time. Like the, this is the end of this era, basically. Uh, but it's like such a good use of that fucking song that, um, yeah, that I'd like never even heard before. It's like very specific. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that it's it's cool to it's it's always cool to, to watch movies by those types of directors. I mean, uh, Fincher's another one who who uses music. I mean, he was a music video director too. Yeah, yeah. Um, P. T. Anderson especially is, is another one. Um, just to to kind of bring everything together, you know. Yeah, I think yeah maybe we'll have to like all come together and do like a, a top three, top five like favorite needle drops in movies. I feel that'd like be that, dope. That'd I'm be pretty so fun. down for that. Yeah, we should like get that on the books. That'd be a lot of fun to do. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, do you have any final words about Cheryl Crow's cover of Jamaica? Oh man, I'm still I'm still gonna keep fucking up saying actual Jamaica <laughs> just because it's so different than the spelling. Like I'm, uh, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, I mean it's a really good cover. It's really fun. Uh, go jam some some Cheryl Crow. Jams always jam some Led Zeppelin. Uh, you know, I I would recommend uh, putting on Houses of the Holy this summer. It's such a good uh, kind of chill summer rock album uh if you've never listened to that one i think it's maybe a little underrated in their in their category in their um kind of uh you know what what when people are talking about favorite you know best led zeppelin albums i think it's it's one of the best uh but no not really yeah that's that's pretty much it all right cool and you want to plug uh director showdown and oh yeah so yeah go listen to director showdown we are uh a few episodes into um snyder versus bay like we talked about and it's it's a lot of fun eric's going to be on watchmen but, uh, but yeah, go listen to that. Um, it's going to be a really fun season. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it, man. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. This is great. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me.